Hi everyone! Okay, let me say this first. This is kind of a part two to my previous episode on outsider art, so I really recommend you give that a listen first. If not, doesn't matter, but there's a bit more information about why I'm talking about this, what even am I talking about, in that one. So yeah, just a little warning. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode and listening to me. Today, we're going to talk about unknown artists, artists that have not been identified. These artists are considered outsider art, which is basically a pretty much problematic term to describe untrained artists that live maybe differently, maybe are differently abled, maybe suffer with mental illness, perhaps art minorities. Outsider art is a whole other kettle of fish and I got into that more in the first episode, which is why I wanted to just mention it here. But I'm just going to respect these artists as straight up artists. We don't know who they are, but they have interesting stories and I really wanted to share them with you because I find this super interesting. Probably more interesting than like established, famous art world artists, to be completely honest. Okay, let's just get into it. Our first unknown artist is the Philadelphia Wireman. The Philadelphia Wireman is a name given to an unknown artist responsible for approximately 1,200 small-scale wireframe sculptures that were found by a passerby, abandoned on a street outside a transient home in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in 1982. 1,200 small-scale wireframe sculptures, like, I cannot even imagine that many. Please Google them immediately. Philadelphia Wyman, so you can see these amazing little sculptures. It's hypothesised that the sculptures were abandoned after their creator's death. Nothing is known about the artist's motives or background. So what even are these sculptures? They are nearly all wire-bound bundles, except for a few abstract marker drawings. The artists typically wrap wire around different objects, including plastic, packaging nuts and bolts, newspaper, magazine cutouts, electrical parts, batteries, coins, and other items. Sometimes the artists use rubber bands or tape to bind the objects together. Based on the internal evidence of the sculptures, they're estimated to have been created around 1970. In 1999, according to the Fleischer Ullmann Gallery, who received the sculptures initially, A gallery visitor claimed to have seen an elderly man making these sculptures on the street that they were found, circa 1970, but there has been no identification beyond this hearsay. Some exhibitors of the sculptures have compared them to Native American medicine bundles or African tribal objects, but this has been criticised as a tendency to attribute religious or psychological motivations to an unknown artist, fixations with alterity, especially through the narrating of oddities and difference, have long overshadowed outsider artwork, and in many cases, the artist's voice. I felt like this quote was so important to include because it's so true. With a lot of these outsider artists who are kind of separate and maybe on the fringes, not in the art world or traditionally trained, there's a tendency to romanticise and to kind of exoticize and make things more mysterious than they need to be when perhaps these sculptures were just made by someone who enjoyed making them without the whole hmm, mysticism around them that other people have placed onto the objects 
I think this could potentially belittle the artist's vision because people are trying to find something more exotic and magical about these objects when, I don't know, that feels a bit like tokenism and a bit like kind of a novelty. Um, When these could just be objects that we can appreciate as pieces of art, even though we sadly don't know the artist that created them, to credit them. This is only a little story, but I found it really interesting that someone has made this many sculptures, such a large amount of artwork, and it is so unique looking, such a unique combination of pieces and objects, and also that they could be dated to that time, the 1970s. So, in a way, they're a bit like mini time capsules. Of course, as mentioned, it also provides opportunity for us to kind of discuss the problems within mystifying artwork made by unknown or outsider artists and how that isn't helpful and it's not necessary at all. We can just enjoy these for what they are and the little bit of sort of unknown aspect of them Um, provides a nice kind of background I think to the objects they just existed they were created and thankfully someone found them so next up we have the Toynbee tiles the Toynbee tiles are messages of unknown origin found embedded in asphalt of streets in over 20 major cities in the US and four South American cities too since the 1980s hundreds of tiles have been discovered They're generally about the size of an American license plate, but sometimes larger. They contain some variation of the following inscription. Toynbee Idea, in movie 2001, Resurrect Dead, on planet Jupiter. I know this all probably sounds a little wild, but Google Toynbee tiles and I promise you it will start to make a little more sense. It's kind of hard to explain what these tiles look like if you haven't seen them before. The materials used for making the tiles was initially unknown, but evidence has emerged that they may be typically made from layers of linoleum, an asphalt crack-filling compound. So, what do they even mean? 2001 and Kubrick are often mentioned in the Toynbee tiles, a reference to the 1968 film 2001 A Space Odyssey, directed, of course, by Stanley Kubrick, about a mission to Jupiter. Toynbee, is theorised to be a reference to a science fiction short story by Ray Bradbury called The Toynbee Convector, which is about time travel and the future survival of humanity. There's also a short story called Jupiter V by Arthur C. Clarke that involves a spaceship named the Arnold Toynbee on a mission to Jupiter. As you can see here, there is a lot of links between these stories and this fiction and this sci-fi stuff and... Jupiter. It could be extensile, but it's all very interesting. So who even is the Toynbee Tiler? A tile that used to be located in Santiago de Chile mentions a street address in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In 2006, the occupants of the house stated that they knew nothing about the tiles and they felt annoyed by people who asked. But the house was the former residence of a recluse and alleged tile maker as shown in the 2011 documentary Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. In 1983, a man identifying himself as a social worker named James Marasco contacted talk shows and newspapers with his theory of colonising Jupiter 
with the dead inhabitants of Earth. James claimed to have come across the idea while reading a book by historian Arnold Toynbee. Marasco discussed how Toynbee's book contained a theory on bringing dead molecules back to life, and that this was later depicted in the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey. In 2003, a journalist called the only James Marasco in the Philadelphia telephone book and was told by the man's wife that her husband had died that year, aged 88. When asked about the tiles, Marasco's widow said that her husband didn't know anything about it. If Marasco had died in 2003, he would have been in his 70s when most of the tiles were laid. In the Toynbee Tiles documentary, Toynbee Tile enthusiast Justin Dewar said that he considered the tiles to be the work of a single person and attributed them to the reclusive Philadelphia resident Severino Sevi Verner, believing that Sevi used James Marasco as an alias. In the Toynbee Tiles documentary, Toynbee Tile enthusiast Justin Dewar said that he considered the tiles to be the work of a single person and attributed them to the reclusive Philadelphia resident Severino Sevi Verner. Justin Dewar believed that Sevi used James Marasco as an alias. The streets surrounding Sevi's home were littered with small tiles that Justin Dewar believed were tests, and amateur radio enthusiasts reported that Sevi might have broadcast a message via shortwave radio about his theories. Based on comments from Sevi's neighbours about him driving a car without a passenger seat, Justin Dewar suspected that Sevi placed the tiles through a hole in the floor of his car. And so the plot thickens. Between 2002 and 2007, new tiles seen in Philadelphia display a different font and styling to older tiles, and tend to leave out words that were found on the originals. However, since 2007, tiles were discovered in Philadelphia that are quite similar to the original tiles, with the same font and message, but glued with a thicker layer of sealant than the older examples. Tiles that are located in the middle of busy streets and highway ramps wear away quickly, and can also end up being resurfaced, but smaller tiles and those located to pedestrian areas tend to be in better condition. The city of Chicago declared tiles as vandalism and removes any tiles that it finds, considering them to be no different than graffiti. As of October 2015, the Streets Department of Philadelphia recognised Toynbee tiles as street art and will save one or two of the Toynbee tiles only if there is a fast and affordable method to do so. Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles is a documentary that came out in 2011. I am definitely going to give that a watch. And you can find out more about the tiles at toynbeeidea.com. You know, one of my kind of guilty pleasures, not really a guilty pleasure, but something that not many people know, I love a conspiracy theory and doesn't mean I like support or agree with the conspiracy theories. I just find them so interesting. And I do feel like this story combines art and conspiracy theory. There's this whole idea of Jupiter and leaving Earth and the words resurrect dead, which are really eerie, and the link to 2001 A Space Odyssey, and also the way that whoever was making and placing these tiles was creating them and then putting them in the streets until they became part of the streets. And not forgetting the Philadelphia Wireman too, of course. If you like this episode, thank you so much. Do let me know if you would be interested in me making more kind of mysterious, unsolved art stuff um, podcast episodes. I would absolutely love to and... 
I just want to leave you by saying thank you for listening, thank you for being here, and I really hope you are doing okay right now. If not, I am sending you a hug. I hope you can feel it. Bye for now. Bye.